0: Hey, you guys, I am just so grateful to have Mr. Les Trent with us. He is an Emmy-nominated New York-based senior correspondent. He joined CBS Media Ventures Inside Edition in the fall of 2000. Trent is among the reporters providing Inside Edition's ongoing coverage of COVID-19 and the pandemic. Over the years, Trent has covered such high-profile stories as the Super Bowl, the Sandy Hook School shooting, 9-11 attacks, An incredible story of Ted Williams, if you guys remember him, he was the homeless man with the golden voice. Um, Trent has covered breaking and featured stories around the world for over 20 years. He served more than 10 years as a local reporter in San Francisco, California and Buffalo, New York. And you guys, he was inducted into the Buffalo Broadcasters Hall of Fame. I'm very grateful to have you, Les, as a part of this show. Thank you so much for being here. It I'm is my great. pleasure I'm being great here. That I How get are you? To talk with you. You guys, I've been talking with Les um, last couple of weeks, and we finally were able to kind of get our schedules together. I'm glad that he's here because he comes from a strong background, and I think it's important for us to remember being a correspondent, especially on a big show like Inside Edition. You have to really be a strong-willed person, and he has a lot of great qualities, and we're glad to have you. All right, so let's kind of talk Sounds about like you. I appreciate nominated that. nominated for an Emmy. What was that like when you got the news?
1: Well, you know, it's, it, it was, we we call ourselves at Inside Edition the uh, Susan Lucci of the Emmy Awards because <laughs> Susan Lucci was nominated about 19 times before she won. And we've been nominated a bunch of times. And, and, you know, unfortunately, they put us up against shows that are really a little bit different from ours. So they put us up against E.T., for instance, uh, which is... Purely entertainment news, and we're sort of, and we're sort of an all-around news magazine show. So sometimes we feel like we were put into the wrong category for for nominations. But uh, but it's always a it's, it's a thrill. I mean, you know, I get to put it on on my resume, even if even if I do turn out to be the Susan Lucci of of uh, the Emmys. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and you know, the worst part I hate about that with Susan Lucci is like when people look, they're like, look how long it took. But people have to remember she was nominated and that in and of itself is just like a huge accomplishment. Like you say, just have that. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. And, you know, we we get nominated to we, we don't get individual nominations, although we're all named. It, it, it really is the show. So it's the show and it's the producers and it's the reporters. Um, it really is a group, uh, a group affair and
0: i love that and that, that shows just how much of a team player you are as well because you may be at the heart of the matter in certain situations but it takes a team to make a show run especially a show as long as inside edition has been around i think that's that shows you guys and what you are about and what you're trying to provide as far as great news so that's amazing
1: yeah thank you yeah it is, it, it really is amazing it really does take a team i mean every single day i'm I, uh, i'm working with you know one of our many very talented producers and, um, you know, and then we have editors and and uh, we have, uh, you know, the, the folks who make the decisions on what to cover. And a lot of us are working from home. So that, too, adds a certain element of um, adventure. Let's put it that way. Every single day is an adventure because we are relying so much now on the technology to make sure that we keep going. And we have not missed one show since COVID. Um, so we really did have to figure it out fairly quickly. I mean, imagine an editor who has to make constant changes because the script is always changing and that having to be communicated to the editor by a producer who's at their own home. And then all of that, all that stuff that's edited has to be then put into, has to be then uploaded to our central system so that it can then go out on the air. It is crazy.
0: Wow, that sounds crazy. Like I know for me, um, my profession currently, of course I've been working seven years as a um, counselor and I've been a licensed professional counselor and I know telehealth has been a big stressor for a lot of people in the field um, because they have a hard time being able to communicate. And you may have like, let's use example of like um feedback issues or maybe loss of signaling and it's very similar. It sounds like, well, you guys, like how do you convey that message? Hey, this is what I, I would like to be reported. Or maybe if someone sees something different at the edit and maybe y'all don't agree, it's like, do we get on a conference call to kind of discuss it? Like that put a big, you know, um, wrench in a lot of, you know, maybe some of the broadcast. So that, that makes a lot of sense of how you can be impacted since COVID. Um,
1: oh, yeah. And, um, you know, it really is one of those things too, where sometimes you know, there'll be an edited piece, it'll be done, something will have gotten missed along the way, and then you just, you, you, you make the fixes, you know, someone, someone will catch it. Um, we also, we feed our show out to our affiliates at three o'clock in the afternoon, and then almost every day we'll, we'll do a refeed at four o'clock, and that way we have a chance to fix any mistakes and also to do any sort of updates. Um, so when you're covering, uh, you know, a, a big story that is breaking, like perhaps the Alec Baldwin story, you, you know, we can't, we can't just go out at three o'clock in the afternoon, feed our show out and expect it to be fresh when it airs sometimes, you know, seven o'clock at night in some, some markets. So what we do is we'll feed out the show at three. Uh, there are a few markets that take it live at three o'clock, but many markets do take it later, and so then we will turn around and do a four o'clock refeed, and uh, if need be, we'll do a five o'clock refeed. So, so yeah, there are opportunities for us, even working remotely, to correct any sort of issues that we might have along the way. And, man, um, and yeah, it's it's it is a challenge, and I can't imagine what it's like when you have to deal, as you do, one on one with people. You know, it's hard to it's hard to gauge people's body language. And, and, um, you know, I, I have some friends who, um, who are counselors for AA and they're telling me how, you know, it's, it's a challenge for the people who are at home who are dialing in who feel alone and who don't have that camaraderie of the group to sort of keep them grounded. So you don't know when they hang up that, When they hang up that that on that call that zoom call whether they're going to regress and and go back to drinking so it's it really is a challenge for all of us
0: it really is and i'm glad you brought that part up um as a counselor one thing i always do if i ever have to do telehealth is i will ask a lot of my clients to kind of check their body language and to let them know i'm aware of, of certain things and say, what's going on with your legs at this time with their hands are mm-hmm. doing certain things and I can't see it. Then, you know, sometimes I'll just do an emotional check-in. And I think that we need to all work on that just even outside of just the field with our professions, but just people in general when you call someone on the phone, we really don't think about like what's really going on. Cause you know, some people are really good at putting up a facade um and you really can't tell in their voice what's going on. So I, right. I think that's a great lesson. Um, and we think of like, since COVID, um, socially distancing has been the term, but it's really physically distancing, um, that should be, you know, on the forefront, but being aware socially of what we're sharing and not sharing in those experiences, I think is important. I want to ask you a fun question, Les, so So let's kind of go into the culinary curious foodie.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, it's funny. I, um, I, 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 for a very long time, even when I was married the first time, I, 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 I we lived in Buffalo, and I had a, a place here, and I would go back and forth, and um, and I was always having to cook for myself, and so I learned how to. I, I've always loved cooking, but what I had to learn was how to cook quickly, how to cook um, so that I could recreate it the next day as leftovers you know using other ingredients and and i said i i need to start writing this stuff down so what i started to do was i started just shooting everything whenever i made something interesting or whenever i had something interesting when i was eating out and you know i'm also from buffalo so you know we're we're it's a huge foodie town not just chicken wings <laughs> and um so I, I I was always <laughs> taking, uh, taking pictures, taking videos, and so what I did was I started uh, an Instagram page. Everyone, please follow it. It's uh, Les Trent, the culinary correspondent, and then I parlayed that into a YouTube channel that I've just started, and it too is called the Culinary Correspondent. And so I I um you know I'll, I'll cook things and and give people some pointers on what to, on how to cook certain dishes and. I also interviewed uh, not too long ago this couple who have been traveling across America in a converted van. I interviewed them about van life. But then, I, then afterwards, for my own YouTube channel, I said, hey, what do you guys eat? I mean, you're, you're living in this cramped space. You don't have a lot of cooking space. What do you love to cook? Let's do it on my channel. And they told me they like something called <laughs> sweet potato tacos. And I'm like, word. <laughs> so I said, "Tell me what ingredients I need," and uh, we're going to we're going to do a Zoom call, and we're going to make this. We're going to make these tacos. So we did that. Um, that's on my YouTube channel too, and, and it was absolutely delicious. So it really is just the the, the channel is just for fun. It's all about food. You know, if anyone has any any suggestions on what they'd like to see or or, or things that they like to cook throw it my way we'll we'll try and do it together
0: well les i'm gonna actually put you on the spot on this one this is gonna be really funny one of my okay. favorite shows is chopped have you seen that
1: oh i love chopped that's a great show i my wife and i binge watched that
0: <laughs> okay well actually one of my high school um classmates was on chopped i saw him on there and i'm originally from new orleans louisiana so i know about culinary oh i know do food. you know food <laughs> Yeah. And so let's kind of do a quick episode of Chop. Um, If you had a mystery uh-uh. item that was in your basket, what item do you feel that you can mm-hmm. rock and make a great dish out of that most people would think, oh no, I couldn't do that. What do you think, Les, you could actually pull out of the box and feel like you can make a great
1: dish? Mm. Oh boy, what could I pull out of the box and make a great dish? Let's see. That's a tough one. Um. I'm trying to think of anything that I use that is all that unusual. Cause I'm, I'm really, I'm really, I'm really a basic cook, <laughs> but um,
0: <laughs> um, I'm putting you on the spot. Lex. I want, I want you to kind of think outside the box. Okay.
1: okay. What would you outside, do? Let me think outside the box. Um, hmm. Uh, okay. Um, Noki. Oh, all right. So what would you use that with? It depends on what else I had in there, but gnocchi is one of those, one of those. I guess it's a pasta, and it's one of those things that mm-hmm. that um, a, a lot of people just think about as part of an Italian dish. But the beauty of gnocchi is that it does absorb flavors. So I have <laughs> I have this uh, potpourri of hot peppers that you um put in the grinder mm-hmm. and i could do i could do something with gnocchi and and maybe even throw in some uh italian sausage and um sun-dried tomatoes i'm just sticking off the top of my head green, green chilies, chilies are amazing like um, yes. um, i like red chilies too i mean it's you could do so many things with it because really it's just sort of like a It's just like a base starch that you can build around and just do so many different things with.
0: Right. I got a funny idea, like maybe using like a portobello mushroom and make like a taco.
1: (laughs) There you go. That's not bad.
0: Listen to you. Uh Oh. (laughs) But I I love that. I mean, one thing about me is I love to just cook and, and just have fun with it. I mean, there's no rhyme or reason and i'm more of a like cook and then taste as i go where there's some people who have to measure now when i'm baking it yeah. has to be precise
1: well that's why i don't bake because <laughs> i cannot i cannot cook with recipes very well i mean i it really is even though i even though i encourage people to to uh you know follow what i do and and sort of i do have some recipes but my recipes are all very simple my wife always says that i'm just I am a very simple cook. I'm, I call myself sometimes the lazy chef because if I can't do it in three or four steps, I ain't doing it. And my, my wife will be in the kitchen for hours just tearing it up and I just, and I leave the room because I'm like, this is too much stress for me. I, that's way too much stuff going on. I just like- Way too much. I like to cook quick, down and dirty, but you'd never know when you see the final product. That,
0: that sounds fun. That's the way to do it. So I kind of have a question about family since we talked about your wife. Um, Can you tell me about how your family has supported you in the early stages of your career?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, I have uh, six siblings. So, um, you know, they're my biggest fans and um, especially my sister up in Canada. I'm I'm half Canadian. I grew up in Ontario. My mother was Canadian. And uh, my sister Val is just uh, she's like the biggest fan. And she's always been there. From the very beginning, you know, this is not one of those careers that that you ever expect you're going to do well in or or survive for decades. Um, So in the very beginning, when I was just doing radio in Buffalo, um, you know, it was my family who were who were the ones who were tuning in. And uh, and even though I was awful at it, they would go, oh, my God, you're so good. I'm like, really? (laughs) Well, they've always they've always been there. (laughs) and I love that I love
0: how family can support people especially in the beginning stages of their careers to kind of you know propel them into another level and then when you actually reach that pinnacle of success that people can say hey you know what I was there and I I saw the greatness in that individual and especially in our culture being African-American that we really have to support each other and and be able to to give back when we need to And be able to be that influence because they're not enough of that positivity on not only just news, but just in general. Like most times we see the news, we see a lot of negative stereotypes or, you know, the connotation behind, you know, being African-American and being well-spoken or being astute. You know, that a lot of times you, you get a lot of negative feedback, even sometimes in our own community. So. And so my whole goal when I started Black that Canvas is true. was to that is so true. spread awareness, positivity, um, help people with, with being able to understand about mental health and a stigma attached. And now I'm glad that we're expanding more to being able to share and talk to people like you and your experiences. And I think a lot of people are resonating with this because they can say, hey, Les came from this, but he made something great for himself and he didn't have to become a product of what people think, quote unquote, is our environment. And so I love that you're you're not only successful, but you are a strong-minded person who has values and goals, and that's what what we hope our younger generation will start to see more of that, um, being shown.
1: Absolutely, yep. You're showing it too, my friend. I
0: really do. All right, so I have a few more questions for you. I'm not going to try to throw any more food curveballs your way. <laughs> but I do want to ask you about um, what, out of all the coverage, I know you covered a lot of different things um, from the Super Bowl, Sandy Hook, 9-11. Is there any specific coverage? And if I'm not mistaken, I think you also covered the George Floyd, you know, what was going on after the killing, and then a lot of the um, mm-hmm. massive protests yeah. Is there anything that stands out to you the most out of something you covered, Like, wow, I can't believe I was a part of that or something that maybe you wish you had actually covered and you didn't have the opportunity. Mm.
1: Yes. OK, let me let me start with the first part. Mm-hmm. You know, there is I, I have one major regret that I did not get an opportunity to to um, to do. And it, it, it wasn't that it wasn't. Well, here's here's the thing. I covered, uh, Barack Obama when he was running for president the first time. And I really wanted to get an interview with him. And so I was begging his people everywhere we went. I mean, I could be in the audience, you know, one row back, uh, shooting video of him for inside edition. And, uh, and I always wanted to get that one-on-one because most of the presidential candidates I've covered over the years, um, John Kerry, um, um, even Vice President, um, when, uh, Vice President Biden at the time, um, Bill Clinton, Hillary Clinton, I've interviewed them all. And, and um, covering Barack was such an amazing experience because you knew that you were witnessing history that I really, really wanted to get that one-on-one with him. So I'm talking to all of these people around him, including Oprah, you know, people who, who helped, who helped sort of convince him to to run or who, who gave him such a boost. And, and uh, for some reason, it was just one of those things where the timing was never right. I, I never got a chance to talk to him, but mm-hmm. One of my colleagues did, and I happened to have been off at the time. Otherwise, it would have been me covering the story. So I'm like, "Oh, jeez." Yeah. <laughs> so there is there is that. That's a that's a big one that I that I sorry that I missed. Um, you know, the, when you talk about memorable stories, there there are some stories, and unfortunately, they're the tragedies that I, you know, I try not to even. I try not to think too deeply about them because they're so overwhelming so nine eleven of course, I was in the city for that and covered that for you know for years after after the fact uh, Oklahoma City, I was there for that th- that morning mm-hmm. um, you know all of the all of the awful mass shootings I've covered them all um, and you know those are the stories that those are the stories. Sometimes, and this doesn't sound like much of a of um, you know a, a journalist take, but some of those stories I wish I hadn't covered. I you know those are the days when you when you think to yourself, "Wow, this is a really really hard job." The fact that you have to um, talk to family members and friends of people who have been killed in the most awful ways um, is just, it's, you know, it takes, it takes something out of you. And if it doesn't take something out of you, you're, you're not human. Um, You know, I think sometimes when journalists are just starting off in the business, Mm -hmm. you know, they're chomping at the bit to, to get that big breaking story. Um, But when you've done it for, you know, over 30 years, as I have, I, I do know that there are, there are some, some of those stories that when you hear them and you know that you are going to be en route to cover it. Um, and Princess Diana was another example of that where I was just sitting around at home in Buffalo and, and I'm watching TV and it didn't even occur to me that I might be covering this story. But next thing you know, my phone rings and it was nighttime then, I think. And uh, it was like, hey, you need to be on the next plane to London in the morning. So, um, so, you know, when you've done that for as long as I have, you know, it's those big, traumatic, sad, um, terrible stories get actually harder to cover. I I, I know, I know that doesn't sound, it doesn't sound right. It sounds like it might get easier, but it, it really doesn't. It gets hard. It gets harder.
0: Well, I, it doesn't to me. I think you're right on what you said. It kind of relates to my career. Um, one of the hardest thing is when I'm doing an assessment with someone and they're reliving their past traumas and sharing a lot of those mm-hmm. intimate details mm-hmm. of their experiences. And every time you talk to them, either in a group or individual session, you almost feel like you're reopening that wound that's there because you have to address yes. it. Unfortunately. Yes. But it goes into how many years or decades that this person has held on to that pain and not felt comfortable enough to share it either. So I think for you, you're kind of like the bridge in between Mm -hmm. the pain for a lot of individuals that they know they're gonna cross at some point, but you're kind of help guiding them through it with the storytelling and being able to be present. Um, When the, the, whatever the news hits, you know, that that has to be hard emotionally. Like you get a call and you're like, it's almost like a police officer, like the phone rings and you don't know what's going on.
1: Exactly, exactly. So that's true. awesome. It's a good yeah. analogy.
0: But I love that you were able to, to have these experiences because one thing that resonated with me when I first saw you, you know, for years I've been watching um, Inside Edition and seeing your career and I've always been just, you know, amazed at how well you're composed and, you know, articulate and sharing with people your experiences through the lens. And I feel like that's important. Like we need to see and hear someone who really has it together and who can kind of keep us all safe even in times when we don't feel we are you know yeah so i have i really you. have a Appreciate really that. fun question as well for this next one all right so this kind of goes into when all did right. you receive the call when they told you you're going to be inducted into the buffalo broadcasters hall of fame do you remember that moment <laughs>
1: uh i do um i think my first reaction was wait what <laughs> because <laughs> this was this was probably mm this is probably 12 years ago maybe 10 or 11 years ago now and uh and i think that first of all you, you know you're immensely proud of course to 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 be honored with something like that because you've to understand buffalo is a great news town you know people like wolf blitzer are from buffalo and and uh you, um it just has it has a great history um of news there. There was a, a guy, for instance, named Irv Weinstein, who was the dean of eyewitness news. So it was always about some sort of fire or rat a tat something or other and and um he was the number one um newscast for as long as he was on the air, um until he finally retired. And has since passed away. But, um, but Buffalo really was one of those towns where a lot of people either got their start and went on to places like CNN or to, to top 10 markets, or people who are legends and have been there and are still on the air, you know, 30 years later, 30, 40 years later. So to be included in that kind of company, you know, my first thought was, oh my God, am I, am I worthy? (laughs) I mean, there are still people today who are being inducted into the Buffalo Broadcasters Hall of Fame who were around a lot longer than I was and who have been in Buffalo, you know, for, for decades and they're just now being inducted. Mm -hmm. So, um, so yeah, I am, I was truly surprised, um, honored, humbled, but, um, but in the end, I'm I'm grateful and and um and I always give credit to the people I worked with in Buffalo because I, I I all the training I have today came from those amazing people I worked with in Buffalo.
0: I think that's awesome. I think they didn't make a mistake less; they were correct. <laughs> <laughs> and Thank I think you. like that is just one of those moments where. Um, I know everyone's belief system might be different, but I know I have a strong belief system and a higher power greater than myself. And I know that my higher power connects me with the right people at the right time for the right reasons. And so I feel like that was maybe your connection. Mm-hmm. You could really help inspire those young kids who may feel like I may not get my time until whenever, but you never know your higher powers timing can be something different than you were even envisioning. So I think like that was one of those moments. It's kind of like when you were there to cover a lot of these, these things that we've been seeing in the news recently. That's really hard to watch. I mean, I try my best not to get consumed by everything I hear or see, um, because there is a certain level of sensationalism in some respects. Um, but I do always remember of like where I was when 9/11 happened. Where mm-hmm. was I? You know, when this happened and these experiences. When they have someone like you who can kind of tell that story. It helps us all to feel like, hey, we are like Les's kids. So we are we are someone that we can connect with that because that's a very strong you know, right. message that you're able to share. And I love that. Um that you were given an opportunity and you are representing Buffalo Proud and so many other places, being able to share your experiences. All right. So I have two more questions well, for you. you. Appreciate so the first one we have is if you could give mm-hmm. your younger self one piece of advice, you get to choose the age, and what advice would you give yourself? Mm.
1: That's always an interesting question. Um, I think I would give advice to my, mm, I would give advice to my, believe it or not, my 17-year-old self. And I would say that um, to apply yourself. And what I mean by that is that when I, was in, when I was a senior in high school, I knew that I had all of the credits I needed to graduate. And, uh, and there was a one class that I absolutely hated that I didn't even try. And I didn't even take the final exam because I didn't need it. And it was... Um, it was science. And I just wish that I would have, well, I would have just stuck in there and done it. And, and the reason why is because I, I say it to the kids today um, that you've got to have some some kind of stick to itiveness even if it's something that you know you're not going to necessarily need down the road. It is all part of what, what your makeup is. And, and I think that because I, because I had those regrets about, about not finishing up that course, I think that it made me work twice as hard once I finally got out of school. And, and I said I, I would never, ever just quit on something again.
0: That, I think that's a really great point, especially for our younger listeners to hear that. Um, 17 was definitely mm-hmm. an impressionable um, age for me. And on one of my previous podcasts, I talked about my grandfather, who was a person who really helped rescue us from a lot of negative situations in my childhood. Um, but he actually died um, when I was 17. It was a few months before I actually walked across the stage. And he, didn't, he wasn't afforded mm. the opportunity to go and complete high school. And that was always his dream to see me walk across the stage. And I always tell people he was there. He was just there in spirit and not physically there. Um, But he gave me a lot of great things. And he Mm -hmm. did a lot of things for the community um, that I never knew about um, when the chief of police was actually there um, at his funeral. And a lot of people, the mayor um, had written a proclamation. There were so many things that happened that I had no idea of the impact that he had in the city of New Orleans. And so I always remember, like, when I think of my the legacy that I want to leave, behind, wow. not only with just um, this podcast, Black Canvas, and my second one, Space Between, I always tell people of that you can do whatever you put your mind to and that we sometimes put ourselves in a box and say this is as far as we can go or we decide when we open the box and how far or if we only crack it open a little to, to get to another step. But if we actually open it and we're aware of what we really want and who we surround ourselves with who are positive people and we're in positive places and doing positive things, um, we actually can um, reach a, a goal that we never even knew was there. And so that to me is when I talk to people like you and I talk to a lot of musicians and I've talked to mm-hmm. these entrepreneurs and I'm like, y'all all all inspire me and it's not just because of your your accolades and your experience but because of who you are from the inside your soul resonates with others and so that to me means more than anything um because i i feel like that's what we should be about especially during these times of sitting with someone and hearing them and Mm -hmm. not just listening to respond but listening to actually hear Um, and i think that's a great thing that's a great testament to your career. Cause you couldn't be around these many years, you know, if you didn't have that, you know, intuitiveness and that ability to, <laughs> to, to share with others. So I think that's great. Really great. So the Thank last you. question I have for you, Les, is how can our listeners find you online? And if there's anything you want to share or promote, this is a great time for us to kind of all know where we can find you.
1: Well, please um follow me uh, on Instagram, uh, Les Trent III, and Les Trent, the culinary correspondent. Um, I'm also on um, Twitter, um, Les Trent, um, and then of course follow me on Inside Edition. We have an amazing YouTube channel at Inside Edition, um, so you can find most of the stories that I do there. If you. Can't make it to a television set. Um, so yeah, I'm 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 out there everywhere. Just Google my name.
0: <laughs> well, I love that you gave not only the listeners the opportunity to hear your story, but that you've given me the, the actual platform to share your story. Thank you so much, Les, for being a part of Black Canvas. And let's remember you guys to embrace our uniqueness because the world is our canvas. All right. Well, thank you so much, Les, for being a part. And I would love hopefully right, to man. have you back yeah. or if you Maybe if you can talk to Wolf, because I love Wolf. See if we can get him on. That'd be great. Love it. I would love that.
1: <laughs> All right, man. God bless. Thank you so All much. Right. I appreciate Thank it. Thank
0: you. Have a great day.
1: You too. Take okay. care. Bye. i yeah.